Hi, I'm Connie Loises. And this is Alex Gove. And this is Strictly VC Download. Hi there, everybody. I hope you've had a great week. We've been running around and so do not have any news for you. But we do have a very interesting interview that Connie did with Pete Kuman, who advises startups at Y Combinator. Kuman came to his role quite organically. He co-founded a startup at YC way back in 2010, an optimization platform called Optimizely, that raised more than $200 million in funding from Goldman Sachs, Index Ventures, Andreessen Horowitz, and GV, before selling 10 years later to Episerver, for $1.2 billion. The combined company is now known as Optimizely. Kuman talks about what Y Combinator looks for in selecting founders. They are very picky. For its latest batch of companies, Y Combinator poured through 24,000 applications and only selected 230 companies. Why Y Combinator's size is an advantage and how it has changed over the years. Stay tuned for a fascinating interview. But first, a word from our sponsor. Forward-thinking venture capital firms understand that a fund administrator that isn't supported by best-in-class technology is no longer acceptable. But these firms also know that when it's crunch time and that capital call needs to go out now, No technology can replace the need for an experienced and responsive fund accounting team working with you. It's time to talk with Juniper Square, a modern administrator that brings together accounting experts and end-to-end investment lifecycle technology to power fund accounting, treasury, and investor services to create enterprise-building value at the intersection of finance and investor relations. Learn more at junipersquare.com. That's junipersquare.com. So, Peter, it's really nice to connect with you. As a starting point, maybe you can tell me a little bit more about your relationship over time with Y Combinator. I don't know if Optimizely had gone through the accelerator program. Yeah, we did. Optimizely went through in winter of 2010. So the timeline is that We applied in the fall of 2009, and then we went through the batch in winter of 2010 and then continued building the company for the next 10 years and sold it in late 2020. And then the following year, Aaron Epstein, who was in my batch actually back in 2010 and is now a group partner at YC, reached out and asked if I'd be interested in joining as a visiting group partner. And I jumped at the chance. And I spent three batches as a visiting group partner. And now I'm lucky enough to get the chance to join as a full group partner. So just going back to your earliest days with YC, I had first encountered the program just a few years after it launched. I met with a number of founders, including Justin Kahn at Crystal Towers in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And the founders of Weibo were there at the time. I can't remember everyone else. Anyway, it was a great batch. They went on to do amazing things. I'm sure 2010 was probably 
similarly notable. Can you talk a little bit about some of your batchmates and how big a class it was at the time? Yeah. So I think we were 30 companies or maybe just a hair under 30 companies. Okay. And it's kind of funny because at the time everybody was talking about how YC had gotten too big. So that's <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a common refrain over the years, I think. But yeah, we, so we had a, a bunch of founders that have gone on to play big roles. As I mentioned, Aaron Epstein, who founded Creative Market, is now a group partner at YC. We also had several founders who, following the YC batch, went on to found large companies. So Eric Wu, who founded Open Door, oh, yeah. was in that batch. Daniel Gross, who has done an was at YC for a while and has has done a lot since then as well, was in that batch with his company. I think it was called Q, and then he pivoted to Greplin right before Demo Day. Also, Howie Liu, who founded Airtable, was in the batch. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So Airtable, again, it was after YC. His company, I think during YC, was called Etact, if I okay. correctly. But yeah, it was an amazing batch and obviously changed the course of my life. So great. I love Howie. We, we do have a love-hate relationship with Airtable, <laughs> depending on our <laughs> sophistication inside of TechCrunch. But that's great. And so now you are back, as you said, you've worked with the last three batches. So maybe explain to people exactly what it means, the nomenclature group partner. So it sounds like, or at least a visiting group partner, I think I read somewhere that this is people who've like recently exited their companies and are helping to counsel the teams that are recently accepted. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I guess starting at the very top, for anybody who isn't familiar, YC funds groups of companies in batches. And we fund two batches per year, a winter batch and a summer batch. And when my co-founder Dan and I went through YC like a million years ago, we worked mostly with Paul Graham and his wife, Jessica. That's changed over the years. YC has brought on a number of what we call group partners, and group partners are responsible for taking companies basically all the way from admissions, we read applications, we interview founders, and then shepherding them through the batch. So advising them closely for about 12 weeks during the batch leading up to demo day, and then continuing to advise them while they're active YC alums as well. So group partners are, for the most part, former founders. A lot of them are former YC founders. Mm -hmm. They're the engine that makes YC work. They bring in and they fund and then advise the companies that we work with. And so visiting some of these roles are sort of transitory. You pop in sort of like an EIR at a venture firm. Typically at any given point, there will be several, usually former YC founders that have gone through YC and then typically gotten to some kind of exit point, stepped mm -hmm. away from their company, and then will come in for several batches and work with founders. I joked with the other visiting group partners that this is a program that has amazing product market fit. Speaking personally, when I left Optimizely, we'd been doing it for 10 years and I was totally burnt out. And apart from taking time off, I hadn't really thought much about what to do next. So to get that opportunity at that moment to come back in and give back to YC, I jumped at the chance. And I know my fellow visiting group partners, I think had similar reactions. It's just a great moment to take a step back and rediscover the joy of building startups and the energy of working with founders. It's kind of a perfect fit. And founders on the other side get the chance to work with recently exited founders who've had a lot of recent operational experience too. So it really works well for everybody. Great, great. So maybe as somebody who looks at these applications, I've talked to the CEOs over the years, Sam and then Jeff, and I know that the process is always kind of in a state of iteration. 
Most recently, what did that application process look like? What was involved? How long did it take? I remember talking to Sam about the process going from 45 minutes to something shorter. And at some point, there was some kind of things that the team had grown to look for. And so he thought the application process, or at least those in-person meetings could be shrunken further still. I'm just curious what that looks like today. Yeah. Well, my experience kind of drops off after my own interview back in 2009 and then starts up again last year. Right. But <laughs> I know in this most recent batch, the summer 23 batch, I think we had north of 24,000 applications. Wow. And yeah. And of those 24,000, we ended up funding, I think, around 230 companies. So that's less than a 1% acceptance rate, which, as I understand, is the, the lowest that we've ever had at YC. So it's an extremely competitive program. Group partners spend a lot of time reading applications. And then we'll do a series of mostly back-to-back interviews over several weeks, shortly before the batch begins. Mm -hmm. And each interview is about 10 minutes long. I think you're right that they used to be longer, but they're about 10 minutes now. And what are you looking for? I don't think there's a specific formula. We look for smart ambitious founders that are also builders. I think that's the group that YC has probably the best product market fit for. So when you talk about builders, obviously, sometimes you get repeat founders into YC, which is itself a somewhat recent development, probably a five-year-old development. What are you looking for? So for example, this is very, very ancient, but I remember Paul Graham saying once that If there was a team presenting and one person on the team rolled their eyes while somebody else was speaking, he was like, that is not not a cohesive team. They're out. And then I remember also saying that they looked even more for grit than intelligence, which again, I don't know based on what he made that sort of determination, but just as a founder yourself has been immersed in startups for so long, is there anything else that you can say about how somebody's presenting? Is it their storytelling ability? Just in that moment, yeah. what makes you say green light versus red light? Yeah. Well, I think everything you mentioned is really important. We do pay attention to the dynamic between founders because mm-hmm. that ends up being pretty strongly predictive of whether the company survives. We also look, when I say builders, what I mean in most cases is founders that have a technical background or teams that have at least one founder with a technical background. A lot of the companies that we fund build software and we found it's pretty hard to effectively do that if you don't have at least one team member that has a lot of experience with that. There are some things that I think are less intuitive, but end up being really strongly predictive. And The one that comes to mind is founders that can talk about what they're doing in simple, clear terms. Mm -hmm. It's a surprisingly rare skill and a surprisingly important one. I know from experience when you're trying to inspire employees and investors and make sales, that comes in really handy. Well, frankly, I look for that too as a journalist, because if somebody can tell me their story in a concise way, I often think... This company has promise. Whereas if I'm speaking to somebody and they speak in a convoluted manner, or I'm having trouble following them, or I'm getting bored by what they're talking about, even if it's perhaps a really interesting technology, I think it's going to be hard for them to kind of get a wider spectrum of people maybe excited about this product. Yeah, that's spot on. And so in terms of 
what this means. So there's 14 of you now. Are you the newest in a while? I mean, I'm trying to get a sense too for how YC is changing. I, I did see that YC also just welcomed another individual, Luther Lowe, who's joining to sort of focus a little bit on policy. I, I think he has a different title. He does have a different title. Yes. I think he's focused on policy. I am, you're right. I'm the newest group partner. I think most recently YC added to the group partner team, Tom Blomfield. I think he was added after last batch. And Tom ran which company? Tom was the founder of Monzo and also Go Cardless. Both have exceeded a billion dollar valuation. And so I guess just wondering if your hiring signals anything more broadly about YC or if it's just sort of a natural, again, you're a founder, you've maintained a strong relationship with YC over time, you were in this visiting role, and now you're a permanent part of it. Or if it means maybe YC is more focused on enterprise software, any way to help us read the tea leaves as much as I really hate that saying. (laughs) Yeah, I think maybe the only thing I can say here is that we are extremely optimistic about tech, especially right now. I think personally, this is probably the best time in many, many years there's been to build a startup and that we're going to see a lot of generational companies emerge, hopefully from YC, but I think in general as well, over the next few years and that YC is really bullish. And so I'm excited to join the team and help make that a reality. And also just wondering about the term. So you rejoined during a very go-go market. Things have changed with the market now floating further with McCarthy getting removed from the speaker slot. I don't know what's going to happen this fall, but how are terms changing? How are entrepreneurs' expectations changing and also the, the VCs who are funding them? Yeah. Well, I think you're right. Markets have definitely changed. It's not clear yet, I think, what impact that will have on the early stage financing market. Many of our companies coming out of S23 raised great rounds of funding, but we've been careful to try and make sure that founders are focused on really important metrics. And maybe some of those metrics haven't gotten as much attention as they should have over the last few years. So things like gross margins, right? And revenue per employee. These are arguably always important to focus on, but right now when founders, especially at the later stages, may have a harder time getting funding, mm-hmm. they're extremely important. And so I think that's how we think about this. And also just wondering, Pete, if in these recent batches you've been involved with, if you're seeing companies are any farther along than has been the case historically, because there are probably so many promising teams that maybe were focused on the wrong thing in part because of their investors or is a different market. And now they have to kind of reshift their thinking. And I wonder if they were thinking about Y Combinator as a way to help retool their operations. I think, in fact, we've seen the opposite. YC funds companies that have raised money before, and we do that regularly. But I think in the last batch, we had a substantial percentage, more than 50%, I believe, that were pre-revenue. I don't know that there's a clear directional signal here one way or another. We're always looking for smart, talented, ambitious founders, and there doesn't seem to be any shortage of those. Right, right. I was just thinking it's hard to think about gross margins. When you are dealing with pre-revenue, so I was wondering if you were also (laughs) dealing with post-revenue. You mentioned feeling kind of fried from your experience running Optimizely and then selling the company 10 years later. What about your own experience influences the way that you advise startups or you'll continue advising startups at YC? What are the lessons learned? That's a good question. I think for companies at YC stage, when I look back at the things that we got right 
early on, we spent a lot of time thinking hard about how we talked about our company and how we explained it to people. Hmm. And I find that I spend probably the majority of the time with founders during the batch focused on that same thing. It's a simple sounding thing, but it ends up being so important and it's not intuitive for a lot of founders to do. I learned a lot about sales. I think coming into Optimizely, my co-founder and I were both software engineers and we knew how to build software, but we had no idea how to sell it. Mm -hmm. And I learned a lot about that through a lot of trial and error. And I think that's one of the ways that I've been able to help a lot of founders that are in the same spot that we were. YC funds a lot of younger technical founders. They're amazing coders, but they've never sold anything before in their lives. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are intimidated by that. They think there's some special magic to it, and it's really not. I think those are probably the lessons that I drew from my early optimizing experience that have come in most handy with founders. And obviously relationships with VCs, is there anything there that as they meet with VCs on demo day, before demo day, after demo day, that you are telling them to keep in mind other than sort of the obvious that this is a potentially very long-term relationship? I think the biggest mistake that founders outside of YC make is to go into conversations with VCs without enough preparation and without thinking through what their goals are and how they want to talk about their company and we spend a lot of time with founders, especially kind of in the, the latter part of the batch, going through that preparation with the goal being that once they start talking to investors, they know exactly what they want to do and they have a reasonable sense of how to pitch their company and how to talk about it. So that's probably the majority of our focus when it comes to investment. Yeah, absolutely. I also, before I let you go, I'm sorry to ask an annoying question, but because this is what everyone says of YC, whether they are still aggressively funding these startups or not, I'm sure in many cases they are, but that YC has gotten so big. How do you reassure founders who aren't in that 24,000 <laughs> number of applicants? Yeah. Still very much as relevant as ever and as able to move the needle as ever. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? YC was pretty different when we went through it back in 2010 mm -hmm. than it is now. And I didn't, I honestly didn't really know what to expect when I came back. And I was really pleasantly surprised. I mean, that's that's probably understating it. When I discovered how much YC has actually improved and that YC size works in founders' favor. When we went through YC, almost nobody else was building SaaS software. Like, I don't even think the term SaaS had been invented yet. And I don't think we had any batchmates that were kind of going through the same challenges, trying to figure out how to sell software, trying to put together enterprise contracts. We kind of had to figure out a lot of that out on our own. Mm -hmm. And there weren't many other examples in the small YC network that we could draw from. And today, YC has a huge network. And there are so many other founders that have gone through the same thing that you're about to go through. It's kind of like a cheat code for founders today. You get to learn from so many others. You also get to sell in many cases for those founders that are building software that they're selling to others. You get to sell to other companies in the network. Mm -hmm. And that's like another cheat code that didn't really exist. I mean, I would have killed for that. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of software they've built. There's a lot of structure. They get an amazing retreat now that they didn't get before. It's kind of funny. I've watched the founders today and I, I almost feel like the old guy is sort of, what am I trying to say? 
the old guy talking about how I had to walk to school both ways. Until, right, when Barrett and you know, younger. <laughs> I'm, I'm jealous of the new founders who get a lot of these resources that we didn't have access to. I think YC is much better today than it was back then. And I, I don't say that lightly because I loved it. It changed my life. Playing devil's advocate, there's two ways that I could potentially, in a very obvious way, see why people wonder about YC. One is it's so great that there's many more SaaS companies, but on the surface, at least, sometimes it seems there are so many companies that they will invariably compete with one another and bump into one another. So I'm wondering if you could talk about that potential concern. And also, the alumni network is phenomenal, the fact that you can sell to it. But I mean, I remember asking Sam about this years ago, like if there was a tipping point where and alumnus are like, I just don't want to hear from yet another startup <laughs> founder trying to push their, their stuff on me because we are in the same YC network. Yeah. Well, on the competition point, you're right that we do fund companies that sometimes end up competing with each other. But we really try to focus when we are interviewing founders and deciding who to fund on the founding team themselves instead of looking at the idea. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But probably the biggest one is just that founders change ideas all the time. Mm -hmm. Dan and I actually applied to YC with a totally different idea that ended up being terrible and then pivoted too optimizely midway through the batch. And this happens all the time. Right. And so it's really hard to prevent startups from occasionally competing, but it doesn't end up being that big of a deal. I think in my experience, A, because they change ideas so often and B, because at that stage, when you're brand new, you are so much more likely to suffer from internal problems rather than from another startup competing with you. Mm -hmm. We didn't think about competition for many years at Optimizely, and I think we were right to do it that way. And then your other question- is about overtaxing the oh, yeah. network. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. YC is a community like any other, and we ask our founders to be good citizens. And there are some guidelines that we expect them to hold themselves to. Like they shouldn't spam their fellow YC alums and be respectful, and they should reach out to people the same way that they'd want people reaching out to them. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We make sure to, to monitor that. We want it to be a community that people are excited to be a part of. And so we try to make sure that our guidelines are followed. That's great. And then Pete, before I let you go, when is the next application deadline? The next application deadline is next Friday, October 13th. Oh, wow. Okay, good to know. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, really nice talking to you. Yeah, Connie, thank you. This was great. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. And special thanks to Juniper Square. Please check them out at juniperquare.com. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here next week.